0: Hello and welcome to the Building an Indie Business Podcast with Supreme Rum Ham. I'm your host, Alex Edmonds. Today is a very special episode. I am interviewing someone for the Open Podcast Community Podcast. I'm interviewing Brendan Weinstein. And this is the first interview that I've ever done. And it is an example of why I don't do interviews (laughs) because it took us like half an hour to figure out how to um, record the audio and have the video as an aside so we started out with I think it was oh it was zoom and then we um, couldn't figure that out so we went to Google Hangouts and then we couldn't figure that out how specifically how I can record the audio on both sides that what that's what we were trying to figure out and then what else happened Alright, so th- th- then we went to Skype, and we f- didn't figure out how to get Skype working. Like, I tried to capture the audio in Audacity at the same time, and we couldn't figure that one out. So, then finally, he goes, wait, isn't there, like, a tool that we can use for podcasting specifically? And I go, oh yeah, Zencaster. And so we use Zencaster to record. This is after like probably an hour and a half of trying to figure this out. Maybe 30 minutes because we spent like the first hour really talking. But yeah, it was it was brutal. And then I Yeah, it was so awkward for me. I, I was really nervous. You can hear it in my voice at the very beginning. Um so I was talking like this to him, and as soon as I hit the record button I get this radio voice. It didn't even sound like this. It it'll sound very weird. It's not like how I do the intro for open or for this podcast. It's not like, "Hey, how you doing?" It was like a real radio voice and I was like using radio phrases. I wasn't casual. So I turned my nervousness into like an actual interview, which I never want to sound like an interview because I'm not an interview guy. I'm a podcast guy. I'm very casual. So yeah, So heads up, if you want to do an interview podcast, use Zencaster. And then if you want to have like a video aspect, use Skype. So our setup was the audio was going through Zencaster and the video was doing, uh, was on Skype. So yeah, and then when you're done with the Zencaster part, uh, they have you download it and it's two separate files. And then you have to merge the files together in Audacity. It's very simple. I could put the video that I used in the show notes. Um, yeah. And I, uh, I will be doing a uh, episode on how to interview someone, either next week or the week after that. I have an interesting project that I want to talk about, and uh, I'm I'm in the middle of it. But by the time uh, this comes out and I have the next episode to record, um, it'll be done with. And I, what I really... How I do my podcast process is I need to, like, have my notes done. And uh, for interviewing, I almost have them done, but I might want to do my experiment first because I just want to get it out of my mind while it's fresh, and that way I can give the best details, even though I have notes. But, like... My notes are, it's one thing, it'll be like, um, you, the benefits of interviewing are you don't have to do much talking, and then I have an idea of what I'm gonna say, and so if I do that, the episode too late, I'm gonna forget what I wanted to say. Well, okay, um, that's it. Enjoy the episode. Have a nice day. Bye. Hello, and welcome open podcast community podcast. This is episode number two and uh, the guest is Brendan Weinstein and uh, we will be going through his background and what he's working on right now.
1: Uh, welcome Brendan. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Uh, it's the first time I've been a part of any of the open podcasts so it sounds, to me. It sounds like a great idea. I love the movement and excited to get to know you guys.
0: All right so uh, why don't you tell us about yourself? Uh, your background and uh, how you got here?
1: Um, okay, so I think traditional, then the traditional uh, maker or, you know, um, I'd say bootstrap indie maker, I have a little bit of a different backstory. Um, mine kind of came from realizing that the side of entrepreneurialism and, and venture capital wasn't really where I wanted to go with a product that I hadn't been able to build in full on my own. So, that dates back to about 2013 I'm a junior in college and just like any other you know 21 year old seeking extra money or you're on campus trying to be you know entrepreneurial and my partner Doug and I decided we had this little watch business in which interchangeable colored watches could be sold um, and change colors when we were in college this seemed like a hit we we're like I go to Indiana he goes to um, Syracuse we're playing each other in sports everyone decked out in colors the watch to import was you know pennies on the dollar it Was selling it for a few bucks but instantly we learned like that was what's driving us like there was business it, that was more fun than even having gone to the game that night I mean that was like the early tell tell telltale tell, tell, tell signs for me was I didn't want to go that night to the after party. I was like I want to go you know figure out how we're going to plan and what to do next. So um, from there, the next plan was to realize we're on a campus. We have a very strong network between us, right? I'm studying business at Indiana University at this point. Um, He's studying business at Syracuse, where those two networks and and areas being one in the Midwest, one on the East Coast, get this great distribution we were going to reach a ton of students we were going to give you know get them some watches whatever the product may be in their hands and run an affiliate you know re- referral marketing engine right give give them a commission sell watches that are blue and white if you go to north carolina sell watches that are red and white if you go to indiana a few bucks a pop it didn't matter what the price was we got to get our names out there it in a matter of 3 months the view of what we were as as professionals was He's a graduating collegiate, or he's an establishing. He's an uh, emerging entrepreneur, right? We weren't doing anything special. We were the mindset of wanting to create something, right? I stay with that today. The manner in which I went to create something, I do have some regrets on. Not regrets that I would, you know, regret, regret about myself. Regrets that I, hindsight's twenty twenty. I would have done them different. Um, when I first started that company, the only thing you did and what we had learned was you go and you raise a $250,000 seed or series A, right? The goal is to get into Y Combinator, something along those lines. So we sit down, we draw business models. We're going to build a referral engine for one reason, not to just generate viral traffic at all. We're going to do it from the opposite side. I was a college student with friends and the most connected on their phones, their computers, learning in a learning environment on the computer, that could not manage to create one formal channel of communication for our student ambassadors to sell these watches, communicate with us, and submit work that we wanted them to do, right? It was like, it seemed illogical to us. I know that these enterprise level organizations can, but who's doing that for $2 items, right? And and who's set that up yet? You couldn't shop and buy something on Wix without a business account yet, right? Or or Shopify. So we were like, you know what we're going to do? We think that this can't be the only audience and the only demographic that's suffering from this. Those who kind of want to sell something little. How many people can't find a platform to communicate with and only with those that are on collegiate campuses across the nation? Very, very few can. Right. Most things are built directly through the LMS, the learning management tool. Right. Um, what year was this to be? This was in 2013. Oh. Um, so I was, yes, 2011, I graduated high school. So I'm 27 years old. Um, that, at that time, I was 20. I was, yes, I, I was 21 by the time that I had finished up, like, you know, you know, all of the building out of the business plans and everything. And I remember celebrating that birthday. I do. 21st, maybe not remember, but it was it a was good time. Um, so we, uh, yeah, we, we're about 21, 20 and 21, our third co-founder at this point. And we're deciding on whether or not, you know, we think that model we just built is really actually relatable to an organization, maybe the size of, let's say Red Bull, because I think many of you who have been in college or in college, know, you've seen those little Red Bull trucks driving around, giving away free Red Bull, Right. Or a stand outside of a campus hall to giving T-shirts. Maybe the, the Economist, maybe Barnes and Noble, maybe Sperry. Those are three of our, our large clients during the times. Um, we we were fine with that, right? And we were fine with that because our job was getting was being accomplished. Now that we knew we had one communication channel, the businesses were able to create a profile that they wanted to offer opportunities to students on a certain campus students would be able to register for a profile like a LinkedIn, find those matching jobs to them on their campus, get paid to do short little gigs, and manage it all in the same way they were managing their current coursework, learning management tool. We were the first integration with Blackboard so that through their Blackboard LMS account, you could see your outside of coursework, your externship work you had to accomplish. Um, Learning development, career development, as well as the, the schools began to get relations with employer brands they didn't have before because they were there to market and now they were interested in the students. So taught me a lot about, you know, the, the different sides of the marketplace, really. But the, the thing that I could no longer handle in, in being there was I did not know how to code. I was not coding and I was not writing this, this, I mean, the, the core product that we were going to be thriving, on, right? We're six months into a full public launch. I'm still managing a team of developers in the United States and overseas, overseas, not outsourced, but support team. Right? And I go to sit down for they what they tell me is now I understand, a product sprint. We're gonna do a design sprint. My first reaction was to yell, yell my partner, Doug, uh, can you get uh Greg? We need our designer. Right? Little do I know, I'm like, that's how you run as a product manager, a sprint, you know, in releasing features, it's called a design sprint. So they sat me down, I'm sitting there going, I can't not have a say in what I'm building and I can't have to convince someone else to want to build what I want them to build when I'm still giving them the money to build it. It just, it became a frustrating factor beyond not being able to build it, but being, feeling like I was the only reason that was true. I was telling myself I couldn't. Telling myself, you don't know how to code like they can. You're never going to be as good as them. He's a professional at that. Why don't you just let them do that? That's their job. Well, I put together the framework and the, the idea and the, the model for, for this type of business, the business that, that two months later went on to raise $350,000 of a seed round. Um, ended up raising close to like about a million dollars in, in total capital. Um, staying at five employees and close to profitable toward, throughout the whole. Entirety of the five years. Um, I I was able to accomplish that, yet I could not see anything else in myself being able to actually build this thing I wanted, right? I was gonna have to make enough money to buy pay someone to do so. Uh when that kind of happened, is when I really started to look out elsewhere, find inspiration, find other you know, technologists. I'd always been a product hunter like that. I'd always been sitting through, you know, it could be at that time. I think it, it was definitely product time, but there was even, um, I was using beta page existed, beta list existed, uh, startup. There were, there were countless of them. I would sit on forum boards and wait till someone probably post a new product, but I would look at them all and go, I'm looking at this for who I think is clever enough to be the one that I want to pick to be my guy. Right. That was, that was exactly where I didn't, it was that imposter syndrome they, that we mean you had to talk about earlier, earlier, but not, right? Like, I'm not telling myself I'm bad. I'm just trying to be realistic to the point of like, I don't know that I will be enjoying myself going through another learning experience. That's a lot different than saying I can't. So I took a step back and I realized if you want to learn this, you gotta learn it. And it's gonna be you're on your own, right? Coding boat camps are there. I find that to still be on your own. But it was going to be something that I had to reach out to a community, right? Like I, need, I was going to need my own resources, not the education system, not my father, even working in, you know, software engineering. They weren't involved with the way we're learning today. Agile methodologies, right? Um, the world, the, the, dev, the environments we live in serverless computing. Like I sat my dad down and asked him to start teaching me. He's a 25 year executive in, in technology. He had no clue what one of the words I used were. When I said react, he said react to what? Right? Like, this is, this is what I'm trying to learn from a, you know I mean, it's not him, it's, it's our generation. You know I mean, the speed and the rapid um, releasing of, of new technologies, that's the reason I'm even in the position I'm in to begin with. The speed of technology advancing so far put marketplaces with social networks on the map which is where my thought of putting together job boards and students marketing on a campus came to me, right? It was all from mixtures of prior thoughts before. And now I wanted to take that one step further and say, that was my thought period, now I'm gonna build it. Right, so that's um, pretty much where University Beyond was like, I would say four years in of its five year existence. Um, As you can see, I was kind of wanting and desiring to be able to go and now create and build confident in myself. I've been spending a lot of time learning um, you know, different programming languages offline. I did take a general assembly course. I got a, a certificate in product management at product school. Um, I, I wanted to know the ins and outs of being able to speak with an, an engineer, right? it's Very, very difficult, like without understanding product management well, to convince an engineer that he better finish this a week faster than he thinks he's going to. I mean you know zero about the languages he's writing, right? So that to me felt like I, got, I better do that if I want to be even in the room first so when i when I got through with understanding how products were developed, managed, maintained, and that that role didn't need to be the core engineer, that's when I actually found myself able to succeed in learning how to code the best like, of of the periods of my life because it no longer felt like it's either do this or die, right like. I've now decided to write code. I better get real good at it. Or can I use the fact that I'm able to understand and build right applications on my own for my success as a product manager where my interests and skill sets do lie, data, etc. Like that took a long time for me to realize. And I, I think that I didn't do enough reaching out to people, right? Until about a year ago, I would say, when people like Alex, people like, you know, communities, Product Hunt, I've been around and a member of for a little bit longer, but communities such as Product Schools, Slack community, 35,000 plus product, you know, uh, enthusiasts, whether they be professors, their current PMs in Silicon Valley, giving us AMAs every day, and like realizing I now had a network I could tap into, right? Community building became the next thing in 2015 and 2016, right? We we started seeing communities pop up all over. We see MakerLog, we see indie hackers, right? We see communities designed around those like I was finding myself falling into, which is the exact opposite of what I had seen myself two and a half years earlier going and meeting with venture capitalists to raise funding, you know? So I, I, as I said, I went through a little bit, you know, of curvy path to try to find out that at the end of the day, I really just wanted to build something which was the same thing that I started with. I just never got the confidence internally to say, I'm going to be able to make that. So why don't I just sit down myself and try to make that, right? Whether or not it takes a lot of learning. Um, I, I'm i happy I did. Today, I, find I, I feel a lot confident about myself, more confident about myself. I work closely with some of the, I mean, I, my more, most respected um, makers that are creating today, creating not for the monetary value that they know that they could earning a salary at a certain organization, but because of the pride they take in their work, right, the, the ability to put out products in, in a manner and to those who which in which they would like to, you know, what I mean, empower, I think the women's movements, like, are, are all phenomenal. I think that um, schools that are doing a lot for, um, you know, what I mean, for students that that are from foreign countries, or that that are living in, in, in impoverished areas. There, there's a lot of movements that have been able to be built around the limits, the, the breaking down of limitations of technology, right? You were stuck with an elite building, do what the elite wanted. We can all build things, it expands to a lot more possibilities. So I was like, finally feeling at home, right? Like I, I don't need to be the best developer in the room. I can have the same conversation with these three people Maybe he's an engineer, maybe he's a designer, that's what products, that's what product-oriented you know folks do. I, I wanna just be a part of the product phase. So I've now been, I would say, for a good year and a half since then, since the end of like 2017, early 2018, I've been steadily still practicing, you know, keeping my skills fresh, but I've taken a lot of side projects. Um, I worked for about 12 to 16 months um, leading the initial product development and uh, data infrastructure um, configuration, basically for a esports company called Geyser. That was an interesting gig. Um, it was another great experience. I I definitely know now that like just joining another group of people just because there's a group of people is not why you join a team. Right? You join a team to be with the people who are like-minded, who want to build like things with you and that you enjoy being around. You're gonna make way better products and you're going to be way more enjoyable. Your life's gonna be that much more enjoyable if you get to go home and not go back to work, but go on to the same computer you were at work on, doing the same thing, and now it's just for your enjoyment. Right? It makes work not a thing. So I found that that the hard way, I think, I think that I fooled myself for a while into thinking I shouldn't even really try, to like code. It seemed like a four year college experience. I, I was going to, I was too behind the, 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 the ease. And today with the amount of free resources online, I, I could not recommend it more to start at least your, your understanding of technology, start building something. No code is a great way to start that. If you have an idea in your head, start making it, put it together, right? If you had an idea, you would have put it together in a flyer. Microsoft Word. When you were in high school, you wouldn't have been you no know, shy to do that. Now, m- granted, it's much more intricate than that. But on on the grand scheme of things, we took it from am I going to sit in a typewriter and actually go through the effort of like you know making that document, or do I have to just type a few letters into an you know a, a Apple Notepad, and will I have it forever? Right. Like, to me, that's the level of difference. Like one is just man- manual and like analog, right, and then one is to the To the layperson, and then one is a dashboard with widgets that you can drag and drop around, right? That person knows how to reorder this. They don't know how to di- to manually reconfigure things, right? We never learned the science behind computing. We just learned how to write the language. Boot camps don't teach you why the computer's reacting to a, to a certain script. It just teaches you that it does. So I think Alex, I think you know what my next step might be that I'm considering. Um, maybe we spoke about it a little bit, but that's kind of a little bit of a background on my kind of formal experience, as well as personal thoughts on why and where I've come to. Um, I'd like to inform you guys that I'm, you know, I'm happy as ever. I'm, I'm at home in a community of people who root for me, right? Like I know Alex does, I know I do for them. I know this morning me and Fahar had an unbelievable conversation. And like, it's those little things that are coming from people who are not sitting there in your benefit. They're not, they don't work for you, right? It's that empowerment that I'm saying made me so much more successful than the empowerment of going to college and being told because you have this, you should get that job, right? Having people be there for you is really, really crucial. So I think that the difference maker for me became three years of confusion. In the last year I've been a part of communities things have started to clear up i mean you have resources so hope you guys uh were able to follow along that little windy you know brain of mine but uh alex i'm glad you uh, i'm glad you brought that up i i don't often go back into my past to be honest
0: no problem so you have university beyond geyser uh
1: what are you working on now Um, i'm actually working on a couple things so I, i the parent company in which i've owned university beyond like my shares protected wise while I was working on side gigs, it's, um, insight venture group. So the reason why it's insight is that's what, that's what I'm interested in at the end of the day, right? I want to build applications so that I can see what data is being produced by it. The data in the end of the day is, is, is words to me, where people hear things, hear sentences. Like I look at a screen and I'm looking at shapes and numbers for a pattern, right? Like that's the way my mind works. So I love visual designing, of course, but the end of the day, the goal for me is to deploy it, release it so that I can analyze its impact on, on anything, impact on my revenue or impact on trees planted. If you're, uh, you know what I mean? One tree planted, whatever it may be, the understanding of building, you know, KPI metrics, you know I mean? Trying to achieve them, seeing how close you are, fine tuning, adjusting, reiterating, and going after it again to, you know what I mean, basically hone your craft. Like, that's where I've found myself to be very, very um, rewarding feeling in the product space. I no longer feel undereducated or underexperienced.
0: Okay, interesting. So uh, you're a very prominent member of the product hunt community, and uh, there was just a
1: Product Hunt Meetup in New York, and you hosted that, correct? Yes, I did. I did. How'd that go? Um, I got to say, that was fun. Um, I, I'll start off uh, with your question about, yes, I am a prominent member, I guess you could say, in the Product Hunt community. I think that prominence comes very much so from just my raw pure interest. I am not always intentional, intentionally reaching out to or sharing other people's products for them it's most of the time me saying like maybe i just need to remember this right or i know this like this guy or girl who's building this knows what it feels like when someone else that's never spoken to before has retweeted or shared their product not their thoughts not their words twitter to the tech world is a much different place than it is to everyone else right like it's 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 your it's it's your life being in some sense like if you tweet out, you know, your link and it's corrupted, you, you know, you may not be getting more you know, in viewers to that site. So like when I, I know when you put something out and you have random un, unnetworked, right. People that are not even connected to others of yours, finding your product. It means you've obviously started doing something correct, right. You're getting a sense of virality on its own. Um, that's what I loved about the project. When I started out in there, I didn't really know anyone. Right. It, to me, it was just an endless array of everything I didn't know was made over the past X amount of years. And then when you get into a point where you've now seen all that exists and you're building new tools, I always ask this question. If you are a product manager and you're building a social uh, platform, right, whether it be uh, you know funded or not, someone like a Facebook, releases, let's date back 10, 15, you know, 12, whatever, 12 years it was, the open graph, do you think if you were not paying attention as a product or like designer, product analyst, product evangelist, product discovery manager, like that, that graph was going to lay all the groundwork for relationship, right? The, the sentiment of that, how to one, two, three, four plus people are connected. Right? There that's that's the entirety of a social network. It's built on a map. It's mathematical. Right? When we searched directory searching for other users that might have had the same first letter name, we weren't getting anywhere. Right? Like that's why that whole social didn't feel fun. Social feels fun today because any of us can create anything, invite each other in, and we're still keeping our communities of users, but by showing each other what we've made. Not Hey, Mark Zuckerberg made this thing called Facebook. You want to join me in Messenger on it? It's a lot different than saying, you know, I just made such a, like. Can you, and you can name any application you want to, or you can shout out any of the makers. Let's say um, Mode's a good one, right? Or or Danielle and James. I love Leave Me Alone. Like for them, for me to be able to say, for like people I know have made like made that effort and that progress in putting that application out, I don't necessarily take pride in it. But I certainly feel a devotion to not leaving that product, right? That's the community that I'm talking about. Like, that's not buying in, in a cult-like. That's support. That's exactly what you look for in a community of like-minded individuals, right? So I think that's really what broke me out of my shell to realize, like, go for it. Be yourself. Go work in communities. Go reach out to the product hunt users, right? Start talking to some of them. Just tweet at them, right? Who cares if they don't answer you, right? You're, you're, you're just, all you're doing is stating your opinion that you like the thing. Or if you're smart about what you had said or intelligent in your field, people are going to pick up on that. You know what I mean? If I follow you, Alex, and you, someone retweets you that I find to be brilliant, right, I'm now looking at you and both of you in another light. So I think that Twitter, like, you know, and, and capturing the social uh, wins you can from there, um, getting yourself seen, but not advertising yourself, I guess it becomes tricky, you know what I mean? But I like to take it from the, you know, a different angle, which I'm going to touch on later, instead of selling a support angle. I think it allows for just as much growth and learning, but a way stronger network. Um, and I'll, I'll touch on that in a few moments. I just wanted to, uh, also like take a few minutes to thank everyone that was involved product um, meet-up with me. Um, I know Eric is running from Bubble. They provided the space. He was great help. And um, we had a sponsor, public.com, giving away free $20 worth of uh, stock to everyone. That was really nice of you guys. And um, Al from Coda has been a super, super, super helpful resource as well. If any of you are out there from New York, we have a product Hunt New York um, meet-up you know, uh, event series that we're going to be continuing to go on with. And uh, I'll definitely after this have um, and Alex shoot out a link to that. If any of you guys are interested in seeing and following along on our future events?
0: All right. Um,
1: uh, is that it? Did I miss anything? I don't think you missed anything. I, I was going to elaborate a little bit on actually how the event went. It was really cool. Um, I don't know. Any guys on your stack? Like, are you on? I yeah. I just signed up uh,
0: yesterday. Actually, it's it's. What are your thoughts? How about that? Um, I think it's a little bare, but uh they're gonna release more
1: features. Yeah, I I can see the bare statement. Um I think that it makes sense to a lot of people now why like you were able to see that it's gonna exist but it did not see it yet, is that it was probably more bare, right? Some of us did see that. But it's gonna take all of the net the networking effect of what we're doing in these next few weeks that actually builds that. If it's not mapped yet that you and I like enough similar products, how is it going to recommend me the right tool? Right? So I, I think that those experiences will grow and will become part of, you know, innately part of the application, the way any social platform does. I think the value it adds is that like we all go and sit on product time, find things, find the people that made them. But there's no touch point in between to say, I want to discuss with the people that are also using these things. Not in a forum board, but in the way we know how to communicate in a social network. right? So it puts right at the intersection all of the missions and, and value that product type adds with the value principles the users have brought, the community, right? It's now a community network of the products people use, right? I hope it doesn't distract from the whole core business, but to me, it's it's fun. Like I was addicted to it. I'm like, all right, yeah, I use that one too. And then I find myself like, I'm like wow, I gotta stop, I gotta stop paying for some of these things because I use way too many applications. Like, but um, yeah, you know, I find it to be one of those, one of those addicting things. the way Like uploading, the game, right? Like I'm like, oh, love that one, love that one. So I, I find it to be fun. But I see what you're saying with the bear. Not many things you have to do.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like it's an extension of product hunt because it's like these are the products that people are releasing. And these are people's favorites products
1: that they show on uh, your stack, right? I think if you think if you leverage it in a sense like that doesn't compete with each other, but turns one more into the directory, and one more into like let's do it this way. IMDb is a review engine, right? With a directory of everyone that's related to any of those movies, that directory can be very powerful. Placed behind Netflix, right now you see how, like, when you're on Netflix and you scroll over and or you pause a movie and you can see the who it is that actor is and see how the other movies he's in. That that was later on than what we used to have to go to IMDb, right? So I I can see a way in which growing down the road, like, Product Hunt is that place for categorical, right, like, um, organized, meth- methodical searching for products versus the networking effect of net pro- products have. Right. Like I know f- firsthand going through with, with some clients, everyone, a product launch on product Hunt, and killing it. Right. And then you think you're off to the races and two weeks later, then the only guy that's off to the races is the guy who's launching on product on today. Right. Where's your, wh- how are you keeping that, that, um, that demand? How are you keeping that communication? going? Right? Are you you're just leveraging a big launch and hoping it hit that one time? or are you building a community of people who you can get to become advocates of your product every day, right? That's where I see your stack growing into versus product staying just the hunting, you know what I mean? And releasing of your products. The next step is how we're going to all communicate and discuss about it. Right. It's a continuing conversation of the product. Which I think that's what the community, it's, they're a community, right? Like, I don't think building, you know, like revenue first products is the move you know what i mean there i think making sure you have things like your stack where people can leave the the money side where you see a sponsored post and go into just where their friends are right that 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 makes it feel safe
0: yeah definitely so you've been on the vc side and you've been on the indie side mm-hmm. uh I, I was wondering if you had an opinion about uh uh profit sharing uh, agreements like with uh, Ernest Capital
1: or NDVC, I I definitely do. I I'm really glad you brought this up. Uh, so that's the reason. This topic is the reason why in many of my actual professional profiles, I have to, and I am often asked about my fundraising experience. Having raised words ha- half a million dollars up to a million dollars over two rounds of funding, a it doesn't go to you. So that that's a myth. That's a lie. You don't see a dollar. But it's, it's given me a, an avenue that everyone comes down to when they want to talk to me. Right? I saw, I saw you guys raised, like, that's, the, that was the stigma. I didn't want to be told, and I'm going to keep names out, and I'm going to leave an example, but it took two days into having a term sheet to realize exactly why this wasn't going to work. I'll tell you, you know what I mean? Like, Spending $11,000 of the $300,000 they give you to purchase their SEO tools that are worse than the product I use and is strictly a gecko board account for $49 is a justification of them saying they want to harness your data to do what they want to do with it, correct or not? There's no way they're not going to give the data guy they're investing the right to use that, but instead charge him to not do it, right? It's the same negative... That leads to so many other frustrations I can I can get into that are, we have your money and now you've started to grow because you knew you had the money. You're a sucker for the money, right? Like, earnest cap, to be honest, I think, I mean, I know NDBC does too, but earnest cap to me has one of the strongest models in the sense that I read and I was speaking with a few of them that you, regardless of the amount you raise and they're willing to back you with, you're not given all. Right. Like we don't know when we go into a room and they say, I want to raise 10 million. And then that VC says, how quickly can you scale if we give you a hundred? Right. Be that kid in the room. You say no to a hundred million dollars, like almost never. Right. But we're coming to an age where we're, uh, a period where we're realizing that like, yeah, I'm going to say no to that because I can make a hundred in two years, three years, if I grow the right way. If I make a hundred this year, I'm going to lose 300 next year, right? Like, I, there's no way I could scale it 100 times as fast as I ever was and, and succeed. I, and there's no bandwidth. So for me, it's not about which is the better business at all, right? Like you said, you were in the VC space, or you were in the um, the uh, like income share space. I wasn't in the space. I have dealt with going through and trying to work with and raise money from both sides. And I walk in and it's funny, you think it should be an insult. When they're like, no, I'll give you like 50 grand and we'll review, we'll renew again. Like we'll, we'll revisit it again in six weeks. You're like 50 grand. Like they want to raise four, they want to give us $4 million. like," And then you realize he's do, they're doing that because they're going to help guide your growth of spend, right? With too much money in your hands, you have too much ability to spend it incorrectly. So I think the way that they build and model themselves as well, if we're wrong and we don't give you enough to spend, we won't take a percentage of the revenue because you didn't generate any. They lose too. It's the only way to directly tie the incentive of the guy with more money to the guy with no money, who's building, right? It's an unfair paradigm where we, we, the rich are going to definitely get richer, but the poor are now the capable, of getting, I mean, less and less. So it's like you're not even giving those who have done and proven it. Um, I don't think that that's healthy. I think we will see a shift. There. I don't think it's heading this way forever. I think these funds are going to realize, not just on an ethical standpoint, on their own internal financial standpoint, like, this doesn't work. You know what I mean, it worked for a while when we could see hypergrowth companies like Facebook go from a $10 million valuation to a $100 billion company publicly traded, and then grow that 10 times more in the next five years. That wasn't around. You didn't have that much Control, that you needed to be the seed funder fund, in the C round of Uber. Because if you hit it once, like your whole family's set for life, right? Like that's at any cost thing. I don't think that's where we'll be forever, but I don't think all you know income shares are gonna be the way to go. You still need traditional banking, right? You still need lines of credit, you still need working capital. But when it comes to that stage of maker, builder, creator. This is a a beautiful thing to be happening where there are intelligent enough and genuine enough people like Tyler and Ben and Ernest Cap, who don't want to screw you. They don't want to give you too much money that hurts you. They want to together make a business with you. That's the most fun thing in the world. When you together sit down and make a profitable business that works. Like the end of the night of a sprint when you finish and, and release and you're like, Yo, and that is awesome. Like I love our new features. Like that's a that is nothing I better feel doing it alone because the VC told you you had to meet the deadline, makes you start to hate what you do. So that that was my my view. I don't think that they're bad for the industry. Like we need that kind of level of money. AI would be nowhere without hundreds of millions of dollars of investments, right? Machine learning nowhere. So don't take VC as like uh everybody. It's not the right thing for the first-time maker who needs a little bit of marketing cap, not be told, wow, that idea is even better than I thought. Here's 10 times as much as that, go higher. I'm nowhere near ready for any of that. You know what I mean? Like, I wasn't ready. I went through an accelerator first, a -a three-and-a-half-month accelerator, um, Dream Adventures. We still were barely ready, right? And that was designed to make you ready. Also another reason, we didn't take $5 million. $300,000 was going to make sure we didn't sell too far of our company, right? It was a seed round. It felt normal. The average round at that stage for our size company was $1.2 million. We took a quarter of it, right? we were. We, that was a perfect deal for us. We needed some money. We needed salaries and some, some leftover, but we didn't just get rich. And now whatever doesn't work, we have a couple million in it. That would have been like it wouldn't have been accomplishment at all i wouldn't have felt it wouldn't have succeeded so that's the way i feel about the vc i mean uh space like that i think it's just more ethical and it's better for a certain audience it's not better for everyone okay interesting um
0: so i've been uh applying to jobs and i've noticed that some companies they uh they've been going They've been staying private for longer. Like they go from series, they they have like a series D and a series oh, well, E okay, with, sure. um, funding of uh, a round of funding. Uh, I was wondering if there is any advantage for them staying
1: private longer. Yes. Um, so I, I see what what I take from that is not so much as my market intelligence, right? From them from them um, staying private longer. Staying private longer certainly allows them to not have to beat revenue expectations in order to release an earnings call. That's going to see them not dip under, like in the after hours. If you start to think about a, uh, a private company that has cash in the bank and a credit limit on file, that's how much money they have, right? That's how much money they're worth. A public company that was expected to grow by twelve percent because they've been growing by 12% per month, which is never going to happen, right, is now growing by 6%. The stock market's built, the price is already built in accounting for future earnings potential. So if your future earnings potential was 12%, but you still grew by 6%, you're telling me that you now lost your capital to go build that other 6%. You You see what I'm saying? Like, If your stock drops, you lose money. So if you were supposed to grow by 10% and you grew by five, your stock will drop, even though you grew by 5%, right? Because it wasn't as good as everyone was betting on at right? Now you've disappointed, they want to take their money out and you've already lost the money. So if you're not at a stage where your institutional investors have owned enough of the company, right? They're not going to be an Uber like company where the second and the day possible for all of your um, executives to sell their shares, right? That, that, um, the barrier to to sale is over dumping of your shares, right? Does that state any confidence to an investor or a person that you should want to be in that company for the long haul or that they feel like they probably got the most out of it already? Right? Like that's, that's the way I see that. So I think that if you could stay private long enough, why go public? You're never gonna hit 500 shareholders. Like, I don't know if many people know that. Actually, if, if the second you even accidentally cross the 500 shareholder mark, you're, you have to become a public company. Um, so, if you don't need to be raising money from that many, people, like you know, people, and you don't need to grow at that billions of capitalization rate, I don't think you need to go public, right? I don't think you need. I, I use Slack as a good example. Like Slack to me was like i loved it we all we I, everything everyone i knew loved it there were obviously it's flaws it, it's quirky it, it's buggy but when it goes public right it's now not just that fun engaging you know chat tool we use in our offices and and um through you know boot camp courses it's the product that generates how much revenue and how much they spend right what's their rev run rate like that's not what i wanted to be talking about yet it's about Slack, right? like I'm still seeing innovation there. What, where it becomes not already talking about whether or not they should have ever went public and is it a bad investment? Should they get acquired? Like uh, acquired already? We were just tapping into, the, we were just getting there. You know, that's the damage I see in companies going public too early. Is that if they're not going to succeed, we never saw their true potential. Okay, interesting take. Um, is there anything else
0: you want to mention or?
1: Uh, yeah, sure. I actually had a couple things I want to mention. Um, first of all, congratulations this week to all of the, um, <laughs> the Golden Kitty winners I, and Fahar for a runner up. I think he's, I think he was the only runner up winner that, uh, they got his own design, but that, that still works. Um, I'm still waiting on my far. Um, but I, uh, I think that I want to, I want to really congratulate too like all of Alex, you all of open podcasts for coming together and like deciding to discuss the fact that not everyone here knew how to run a podcast right and that we're all interested in doing it but we need some help and that's what i touched on earlier in the in this conversation and i'd like to finish on is that this community i try to jump into many different ones i'm happy i joined this one i would like to start podcasting um a bit i mean i I know there's some several people i would love to speak to um get, get their insights i think really awesome we have a place to go to to like schedule and ask questions about what we should talk about therefore i didn't feel nervous coming into this and i haven't done a podcast or a live stream in like, oh well over a year i didn't feel nervous because hey i'm not looking at who's looking at me but we speak enough together about the the false like the false you know i mean conceptions we're giving ourselves about being scared of something when we know each other and we know what we're capable of, right? To Anyone out there, I have not been on a live stream in a, in a year and a half, right? We had technical difficulties for 30 minutes before trying to get this going. Five seconds before we started, we finally could hear each other, right? It's not going to stop us from having had a discussion in front of you guys in public. It's it's a healthy discussion. It's what happens. And the rest of the people that do get the, that bug the first time in open podcast don't have to feel alone either, right? Like that's that type of honesty and, and just genuine genuineness is what i'm like really excited to see going forward and i think that we can have some like awesome open podcast discussions so thank you very much for having me on no problem man
0: uh
1: uh where can people find you online <laughs> yeah you don't have to find me now, i'm just kidding guys um you can find me on linkedin brendan weinstein um if you want to you know me just professionally connect i'd much rather you guys follow me on twitter that's where I live all day. You'll find my, you know, product ideas or discuss with me. If, if you need, a, I mean, something emergency, DM me. I usually answer them. I'm reachable on DM. Never gonna find me on Facebook, for sure. Um, and if you're in any of, you know, these maker communities or or want to be, reach out to me and I'll, I can either introduce you. Or reach out to me in one of the communities: Makerlog. I mean, I mean, work in progress. We're in product time. Con- we're in time. Con- we're in your stack. Like, if you're interested in products and you're in a community i'm sure we can connect somehow and i would love to so feel free to reach out to me all
0: right uh thanks for coming on Um, thank you so much no problem if you want to be a guest on open podcast or host your own podcast um come join the telegram chat and talk to me thank you for listening have a nice day